Okay. Um, those of us who are familiar with the story or the narrative of the Bible know that the Bible finds its uh, culmination, or rather the story of the Bible finds its culmination in uh, heaven. Uh, the book of Revelation basically describes what heaven is going to look like. It's going to be a place with no pain, no suffering. We're going to be basking in God's glory. We're going to be basking in the presence of God. And it's got streets of gold. The water is as uh, clear as crystal. You know, it's such an amazing place. It's such a visually um, incredible place. And yet with all this uh, amazing stuff a lot of us don't find the idea of heaven pleasing we don't find the idea of heaven exciting and amusing uh, could it be because of the pictures that uh, pop culture and other media are, are posting are or are, are painting about heaven could that be the case maybe ladies and gentlemen welcome to the evangelical student network podcast and in this episode which is the final installment of our bible intense series we are going to be looking at heaven and um, we're going to be looking at uh, a biblical view of heaven what the bible says about heaven and how we should respond in light of what heaven is so ladies and gentlemen as usual sit back relax grab a cup of coffee or tea or juice and uh, let's dive into the word of god as we grow towards uh, maturity in christ let's get it Good afternoon, welcome. My name is uh, Mitch Spence, if we haven't met, and I'm the, the pastor at uh, Living Hope Church, which meets just over the road at TCZ every Sunday afternoon at uh, 4 p.m. Uh, you'll be very welcome to join us there. And we're, we're thoroughly uh, excited to be partnering with, to be supporting the work of ESN here on campus. And it's a huge privilege for me to be able to come and uh, speak to you this afternoon. So why don't we, uh, why don't we pray as we begin? Uh, let me pray for us. God, our rescuer and our helper, by your Spirit, open our minds that as the scriptures are read and your word is proclaimed, we may be led into your truth. We may be uh, taught your will for the sake of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. The reading today comes from uh, Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 to 5. So if you have a Bible open, uh, Bible with you, uh, open it up uh, to right at the, the back. This is an easy one. Uh, Revelation 21 verses 1 to 5, and uh, read along with me. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, 
Uh, this week we come to the end of our 10-week uh, series titled uh, The Bible in 10, a series that's taken us, I, I suppose, on a, on a pretty quick uh, walk, uh, a pretty quick kind of march through the, the one big story of the whole Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, from creation through to new creation. And I wanted to, uh, to start this afternoon by asking us uh, all a question, and I'm hoping that the, the bold and the beautiful amongst you out there will shout out some answers to this question. And so it really is a question for you to answer. Here it is. If you had to split the Bible into two parts, how would you do that? If you had to split the Bible into two parts, where would you split it? Let's hear some answers. Old and New Testament, that, that's the common answer, but it's wrong. That's not the right answer. Well tried. Our next person, how else might you split the Bible? Where would you split it? Some of the, the more kind of uh, geeky amongst us might say, well, the, the, the incarnation, the arrival of Jesus changes everything. Good answer, but also wrong. Some people might say the death and resurrection of Jesus, that, that changes everything. Good answer, but wrong. Uh, some people might say... Pentecost, the arrival of the Spirit, the dawn of a new age, a new covenant. A good answer, uh, but again, wrong. This is, this is how we split the Bible in, uh, into two parts. Like this. This might be cheating, I'm not sure. But we have a beginning... And we have an end, and then we have everything in the middle. That's why we split the Bible into two parts, the beginning and the end, and everything else comes in the middle. I don't know, that might be cheating, who knows. Um, but like all good stories, right? Like all good stories, there's a beginning and there's an end, and then there's the bulk of the story which happens through the middle of these pages. The middle, it's, it's rich and it's, it's complex. It spans generations. Uh, we come across different characters, don't we? And lands and peoples and ups and downs. But the basic structure of the Bible story is the same as any story. There's a beginning, there's a middle, and then there's an end. The beginning and the end, they form one part, and everything in between forms another part. And that's because this kind of j big chunk uh, in the middle Right, everything up to uh, Revelation and from Genesis 2, okay? Everything in the middle here describes an entirely different world when we compare it with the kind of world described in Genesis 1 and 2 and the kind of world described in Revelation 21 and 22. Genesis 1 and 2 from the beginning, Revelation 21 and 22 uh, from the end. And they describe completely uh, different worlds, don't they? So read with me again if you have a Bible in Genesis chapter 1, verse uh, 1. Uh, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then now jump uh, all the way to the end of the Bible story in Revelation 21, verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And again, just down to verse 5. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. So that's the beginning of the Bible story, and that's the end of the Bible story. Genesis 1 and 2, creation. God makes a perfect heaven and perfect earth. And then Revelation 21 and 22, the new creation. God makes a new perfect heaven and perfect earth. 
And everything about these two worlds looks and feels just vastly different to the kind of world that we experience today. They look shiny, they look new, they're perfect and brilliant. And what we experience, and if we just look around us in this lecture hall, feels broken, feels fragile, feels full of pain and heartache. I mean, even Ricky Gervais, we all know Ricky Gervais, right, the, the, the comedian, even he says that there's something wrong with this world. And I don't think you can live in Zimbabwe right now and not recognize that, not feel something of the brokenness of the world that we live in and that we experience every single day. And that's because we find ourselves, don't we, in the middle of the Bible story. We're caught up somewhere between Genesis 3 and Revelation 20. We're not at the beginning, but we're not yet at the end. We're somewhere in the middle. And so we find ourselves living in this story. It's not a story that's, that's out there, just abstract from us. We, we live in the Bible story. And, and the story itself explains so much of the world that we live in, of this, the experience that, that we come face to face with each and every day. Because we know that from Genesis 3, the Bible story changed for the worse. We call it the fall, don't we? Where man and woman, humanity, brought sin into God's perfect creation. And that changed everything. Like a, a spiritual earthquake that sent shocked shockwaves out through the whole universe. Nothing, nothing was left unaffected, nothing was left unchanged by sin. The relationship between God and man, broken. The relationship between man and woman, broken. The relationship between parents and children, broken. The relationship between humanity and the rest of creation, broken. The entire cosmos suffers as a result of man's sin and God's judgment on their sin. And this explains the, the brokenness of the world that we all experience. Because it explains the, the brokenness of the world through the middle part of Genesis 3 to Revelation 20, doesn't it? But the good news is that this is not the end of the story. This is just the middle. But knowing the beginning, the middle, and the end helps us to know what the story is all about. Uh, where it began, where it's, where it's going, and, and where it is now. Genesis 1 and 2, God made a perfect creation. Genesis 3, the sin of humanity in the fall, God's perfect and good world is ruined. But Revelation 21 and 22, God is making a new creation, perfect and good. Which means that everything in between, everything from Genesis 3 to Revelation 20, is telling the one great story of God's one great rescue through his one and only son, Jesus. And that's where we've been over the last nine weeks, haven't we? That's what we've been seeing time and again. We've seen that, that, that the Bible, the Bible is God's one great story about his one great rescue through his one and only son, Jesus. And this week, this week we see that this one great rescue is a rescue from this broken creation for a perfect new creation. That's the rescue that's taking place in the Bible story. That's the, the big rescue that God is bringing about. It's the rescue of a people from this ruined creation for the new creation. It's by his son, Jesus, the lamb who was slain, the king who now reigns. But it is a rescue from this ruined creation for his perfect new creation. Sure, it's a rescue that's driven by God's gracious promises. Sure, it's a rescue that's, that's 
um, tied to and dependent on the, the better Davidic king. Sure, it's a rescue that makes atonement for sin and makes us right with God, but it's also a rescue. It's also a rescue from this broken world for a better one. One, uh, one that will last forever. One in which we will bask in the warmth and blessing of God forever because we will once again dwell with Him and Him with us. But here's the big problem. The big problem for most of us anyway. Heaven just seems a little bit boring, doesn't it? If we're honest. Heaven and the new creation just seems a little bit boring. I had a good friend, uh, Trish. She was a Christian, but she was, she was honest. Almost 20 years ago now, one afternoon, she turned to me and she said, you know, I'm just not that, old, I'm not, not that excited about the new creation. I'm not that excited about heaven. Of course, the idea of eternal life sounded good to her. She was, she was keen for that. But in the end, her view of life in the new creation was that it was just a little bit boring. That being honest, her life on earth, it was pretty full. It was, it was tangible. It was interesting and, and deep. And, and she loved her life here. And so it seemed like the, this, this, this life that God had promised us was just a little bit boring. Now, I know that's not everyone's experience of life in this world. I get that. But I suspect that most of us, most of us can identify with something of what Trisha shared about her feelings towards the new creation, towards heaven. I was in my early 20s at the time, and I didn't have an answer for her. In fact, I, I kind of had to agree. The idea of eternal life sounds great. We're on board with that. But as far as heaven and the new creation goes, if we're honest with ourselves, it sounds just a little bit dull. We're not that excited about life and the new creation. And that's not surprising, I don't think. When we recognize that most of us, uh, at least most of us, I think, have bought into the world's view, the world's picture of heaven. When we pause for a moment to think about heaven, and the new creation. We tend to picture, don't we? We tend to picture ourselves floating around on clouds, dressed in white nighties, and playing a harp. Forever. <laughs> I mean, that might be fun for a, a day or two, may, possibly a week. But forever. It's no wonder that we're not excited about it. If that, is, if that is even vaguely our view of, of, the, of life in the new creation, of what it's going to be like in heaven, then it's, it's no wonder that we're longing to be here rather than there. It's no wonder that we're not excited about it. It's no wonder that we're more invested in this creation than in the one to come. It's a sad reality, isn't it, that most of us Christians think that God is saving us for an experience of life that is somehow less than this one. And so we end up. We end up longing more for the sun to rise over Bulawayo tomorrow than for the world where the sun never sets. And so rather, the reality of the new creation is something to, to love and to long for, even more than your graduation, even more than your wedding day, even more than the birth of your first child, and yes, even more, even more than a work visa to the U.S., the new creation is something to invest in and build our whole lives around. It's so exciting, it's so glorious, it's so real that it actually, it liberates us, it frees us to see this life as a spare one. To know that no matter how good your life may get in this world, your best life is always going to lie ahead of you in the world to come. And so it's okay, it's okay to live our second best or our third best or even our fourth best life now. Why? Because our best life is still to come with God and the new creation. 
The new creation is so exciting that it's something to love and long for, even more than longing for the sun to rise here tomorrow morning. And so we need to, we need to reclaim this, this right picture, this biblical picture, don't we, of the new creation, because Jesus is not saving us for a dull future, but a glorious one, one that is far, far better than we'll ever experience on earth. He's saving us for a future a lot less like that cartoon image that we've all bought into, and he's saving us for a world that's a lot more like this one, just far, far better. For starters, it looks like Eden, doesn't it? But it's Eden on steroids. It's not a garden, but it's a, magnific a, a magnificent city, Revelation 21, verse 2. Not just Adam and Eve, but nations, Revelation 21, 24. And not just for a time, but forever and ever. There'll be no need for Zessa. Revelation 21, 23, and the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. There will, need, there will be no need for BCC to give us water. Revelation 21, 1, then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. And most importantly, it's a world where all the problems of Genesis 3 have been overcome, sorted out, and done away with, never to return. Revelation 21, verse 4, read with me. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Blood, sweat, and tears have no place in the new creation. There will be no crime. There will be no need for a lock. There will be no locks in the whole of the new creation. That is a crazy thought. Death is no more. Relationships are no longer defined by pain and hurt, but perfect harmony and everlasting love, and where you'll never attend the funeral of someone you love. Never. In fact, you'll never attend a funeral at all. It's a whole new creation with bodies like these ones, but infinitely better, and food, and drink, and work, and dancing, and laughter, and rivers, and streams, and mountains, and music. And most importantly, Revelation 21.3, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. God and his people reunited once for all. We will bask in the warmth and blessing of God forever. This is the new creation that we must come to, to love and to long for, because this is the climax of the whole Bible story. God is not saving us for a future, for an experience of life that is somehow less or more dull than this one. It is far greater, far more superior. If he made this world, he can make another. In all its fullness, in all its richness, but without sin, without the brokenness, without the futility, without the pain. And so as we come to the end of the Bible in 10 series, let me try and wrap up some of the bigger things I think we've learned about God's one great story of his one great rescue by his one and only son, Jesus, for that one new world to come. First, we have to recognize that the Bible story is a story all about God before it's a story all about us. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And Revelation may well have started, in the end, God created the new heavens and the new earth. 
In fact, in the final few verses of the whole Bible, God says in Revelation 21, 13, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, beginning and end. From first to last, this is a story about God and His rescue, not about us and our flourishing. We, li we live in such a, an egocentric world, don't we, where we just assume that every story must obviously be about me. But this is the greatest story ever told, and it begins and ends with God. And so as we read our Bibles, we should always be thinking to ourselves, how does this story, how does this letter, how does this section, this paragraph, how does it point us to Jesus and God's rescue of humanity? How does this part of the Bible lead me to faith in Christ rather than to faith in myself? Second big point I think we've seen is that this is a story about rescue, not self-improvement. What took place in Genesis 3 with the fall uh, fundamentally altered the fabric of the entire creation and life as God intended it. We live in a broken world thanks to our sin and God's judgment. Humanity was estranged from God, our, 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 our relationship with Him now broken. And that all because of sin. And we look, as we look around at the, the world and, and our country, it's just obvious, isn't it? That, that's, the, that's explaining the world we live in. Drought, famine, war, hunger, hurt, pain, evil, death, pandemics. But it's not just out there, is it? It's in here as well. It's in our hearts. Pride, selfishness, lust, greed, anger, idolatry, doubting that God is good. The very same things that brought about the fall in Genesis 3 through Adam still plague each and every one of us today. We may be more technologically advanced, more sophisticated if you like. Fundamentally, humanity has not changed. We are no different from Adam and Eve, our ancestors. This creation is not as God intended it, and we are not as God intended us to be. But the solution just clearly is not self-improvement. The, the Old Testament categorically rules out that, 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 that something we can do is save ourselves, is fix this broken creation. It's one of the big things that the Old Testament is telling us over and over and over again, that we just don't have it within us. We don't have it within us to help ourselves, to save ourselves, to fix this world because our own hearts are gripped by sin. And so the Bible story is a story all about God's rescue of helpless, hopeless people. It's a story about what God graciously has done, not what we must do. It's a story about God's rescue, not my self-improvement. And so as we read our Bibles, as we, as we th think about the gospel, we should always be thinking to ourselves, how does this story, this book, this letter, this section, this paragraph, how does it point us to Jesus and God's rescue of humanity? How does this part of the Bible lead me to faith in Christ and His rescue rather than faith in myself? And then thirdly, it's a story about God's rescue from this creation for the new creation. This is the, the overarching kind of meta-narrative of the whole Bible, the big story of what God is doing in the world. God is all about rescuing people from this creation for the new creation. Which for people living somewhere in the middle of that story means that we have the, the comfort and the certainty of knowing, don't we? Exactly where it's all going, where it's heading, how it's going to end. God hasn't left us in the dark to wonder, hmm, I wonder how this story ends. To try and decipher how he's working in the world. He's, he's told us precisely what he's doing in the world. And so in one sense, we could place ourselves anywhere between Genesis 3 and Revelation 20, and know exactly what's going on. Yes, even those parts of the Bible that we don't know very well, or that are <laughs> straight up confusing. Ezekiel, Isaiah, 
Jeremiah, Romans, Hebrews, complex books with profound and deep truth that we need to work hard at understanding, but all of them, all of them contributing to this, uh, this kind of a big story, advancing, enriching the, the big story of God's rescue of humanity from this creation for the new creation, which when we stop to think about it is, I think, radically liberating, radically liberating. It frees us from the anxiety of the unknown. It frees us from the fear of death. It frees us, it frees us from the, the, the relentless and exhausting pursuit of having to live our best life now. It frees us from the pressure of feeling like we, we only get one shot to create, to protect, to, to attain our own little slice of heaven on earth, whatever that might be for you. And we all have that, don't we? We all have our own vision of, 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 of what heaven on earth looks like. Once we get this, we, we've achieved. Now I can rest. That's exhausting. That's enslaving. It liberates us from being selfish, from clinging to this life, from grabbing hold of what we can. And instead, it frees us up, doesn't it, to use everything that God has given us, our time, our energy, our resources, the whole of our lives, to invest in His kingdom and His glory, not our own pathetic little kingdoms. It frees us up to choose to live our third or even our fourth best life now. Why? Because my best life is still to come. The glorious reality of the new creation, it radically liberates us from longing for the sun to rise over this creation tomorrow morning. And instead, it empowers us to live and to long for the glory of the new creation where the sun never sets. And so if we truly grasp this kind of big plot of the whole Bible, it changes everything. It changes everything. And so as we read our Bibles, we should always be thinking, how does this book, this letter, this section, this paragraph, how does it point us to Jesus and God's rescue of humanity from this creation for the new creation? How does this part of the, uh, the Bible lead me to faith in Christ and the certain hope of life to come? Let me pray for us as we close. Our Father in heaven, we thank and praise you for the gospel of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We praise you that you haven't left us in this state, in this broken world, gripped by our own sinful hearts, without hope. We thank and praise you that the gospel, your one big story, of your one great rescue, through your one and only Son, is for the one new creation to come. That we have a hope beyond the grave of life rich and full and complex and diverse, where we will be with you in eternity, where we will bask in your warmth and your, gl your glory forever, and knowing that all blessings come from you and flow from you. And so, Father, would you help us by the power of your Spirit to be those who always look to Jesus and your rescue in him rather than to ourselves. Help us to build our lives around this great hope that is ours to come, this glorious hope, this certain future. Help us to know that our best life is life in the new creation in heaven with you. And so to use this whole life now for your sake and your name. And so in your name we pray. Amen. 
there you have it folks the hope of heaven what a hope that we have uh to be reunited once again with god as god's people uh in god's place once again under uh, his rulership and enjoying his blessing um for the believer this is uh what gives us hope to live every day we live with the end in mind and uh we have something to look forward to in heaven friends as i said when i began that this is uh the last installment of the bible in 10 series i mean i can't believe that it's been 10 weeks uh where we've been uh exposed to some incredible and very helpful teachings i i hope and pray that this series has been helpful to you i hope it has been as helpful to you as it as it has been helpful to myself it has helped me to see how the bible is one story and how the different um, narratives in the bible fit into this one story of god's kingdom god's kingdom being god's people in god's place under his rule and enjoying his blessing ladies and gentlemen um, we've been the evangelical student network and my name is Kasper mapurisa please do give us your feedback uh, on social media on facebook we are evangelical student network on instagram we are esn.nast and please drop us an email uh, on info at esnstudent.org ladies and gentlemen um, please do stay tuned for the next episode uh, catch you on the next one grace and peace